Church, as we continue to worship, I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and then turn with me to Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm 46. As you're turning, uh, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are here. I see some of you that have family that have come back and are able to be here with you. I was able to talk to my mom on the way to church real early. And so she, she might be home from church. So mom, if you're home, happy Mother's Day to you again. So she sneaks in to these live streams. And so I'm grateful to be a father of three boys. Their mom, Danielle, my wife, is such a wonderful mom. And so uh, a lot have so much to be grateful for as we, we all have so much to be grateful for as we're here this morning. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, Psalm 46 is going to be our guide this morning. We are looking at how in this mini-series through Selected Psalms, how God's Word speaks to the common struggles that we all face in life. I've entitled this message, Hope, Hope for the Uncertain Heart. Hope for the Uncertain Heart. One, One thing that you can be certain of is the uncertainty of life. It's a truism, no doubt, but true it is, we are flanked by uncertainty. I mean, who, who among us would, would be bold enough to say, with, with 100% accuracy, I can tell you in a year where the stock market's going to be. With 100% accuracy, I can tell you where the stock market is going to be next week, or the price of gas in a year, or the interest rate that some home buyers going to be able to have. I mean, you just think of the national uncertainty that you might see in newspapers, newspapers or on evening talk shows or even news. You're walking through social media feeds and you see this all around us. And, and none of this to say that the global geopolitical uncertainty that, that, that we are embroiled in, not we, but we see uh, with, with Ukraine and and the challenges of that situation. And I know so many of you are in prayer for uh, God's justice to reign in this, but how that is going to occur, when will that occur? Is this weeks or months or years? How, so, so this uncertainty is a, is, is a reality that is all around us. It is very present, uncertainty. Now, you move away from the national scope of things. You move away from an international scope, and you just think of your own life and the uncertainty and question marks that maybe some of you have walked into the sanctuary with as your company has just gone into this merger, and you're wondering exactly what is my position going to look like? Or maybe some of you know what it is to wait on the results of scan last week or two weeks from now and you have question marks before you or maybe some of you are in that dating world and and you've gone the second date maybe the third date and you're wondering uh, is, is there anything in this relationship where is this going and where is this not going and sometimes it can just feel like there's just a lot of question marks before us around us and sometimes we can feel as if uncertainty just gets the last word and, and it can lead to stress, no doubt. It can lead to anxiety, no doubt. Oftentimes it leads to resignation. Just throw up my hands. I, I don't know what to do in the midst of this. I, I feel sort of helpless. We all want to mitigate uncertainty in our life. We all want to live in such a way that, that we can pin down what tomorrow is going to be like for us. And it's not that we can't know anything 
about a lot of these subjects personally and on a national level, international level. I mean, certainly there, there are some things that we can know and, and have educated opinions of and perspectives on, but this you can't know. You can't know everything. And that introduces us to the uncertainty that is all around us. And in light of the uncertainty, what hope do we have for the uncertain heart? We turn to God's Word in Psalm 46. God's Word gives us certainty in the midst of an uncertain world. God is our refuge and strength. The psalm says in verse 1, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. Know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We've come now to one of the highest peaks in the mountain range of the Psalms. And this is the word of the Lord that gives hope to any and every uncertain heart that is here this morning. Notice in Psalm 46 that in the midst of my uncertainty, God is with me. Let me say that again. In the midst of your uncertainty... God is with you. In the midst of our uncertainty, God is with us. Notice in Psalm 46 that you can see the themes of the Psalms by seeing the repetition of what is before us. Hebrew poetry works in such a way that the emphasis of a poem like the Psalms is going to be found in the repetition of themes. So to find the meaning of poetry in the Hebrew language, you're going to look for these themes that are repeated. Well, look no further than verse 1 and verse 7 and verse 11 here, because you find that our God is ever-present. Our God is our refuge and strength. Verse 1, a very present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's with us. He's with us. He is very with us very present. Here we find what theologians for almost 2,000 years have talked about the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere, all the time. He's always with us. Notice the verb tense of verse 1, verse 7, verse 11. Notice that God is the Lord of hosts, is with us. Verse 11, the God of Jacob is our fortress. It could just as well be was. He was with us. It was our fortress. This could be the psalmist in this moment reflecting nostalgically upon God bringing them out of Egyptian captivity. 
You remember when? Way back when? When God set us free from the cruel hands of Pharaoh? Do you remember when? God was our fortress. God was our strength. God was with us. But no, God is present tense. Nor nor is this in a great by and by when we all get to heaven either. This isn't future tense. God will be our fortress. God will be with us. No, God is with us. Uncertainty, it is a present tense reality for all of us that are here. Of course, it's in the past tense. Of course, it's before us. But it is present right now. And I'll tell you this, it is a good thing to know in the midst of the present tense uncertainty of your life that God is with you always. Last words of Jesus after he gives the great commission in Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, you hear the words of Jesus, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, there's a lot of uncertainty in your life, but this you do not have to be uncertain of. There is no place where you can go that God is not present with you. There there are a lot of things, follower of God, that are uncertain. There are a lot of things about tomorrow that, Lord willing, you will do. But there's a lot about tomorrow that is a mystery to all of us that are here. And and it is illusion if we think anything else than that. But this I am certain of. There is no danger, nor is there a joy that is coming around the corner where our sovereign God does not have his sight set on it. He's never surprised. He's never caught off guard. He doesn't blink and take his eyes off of us because of the, of the international scope of things that are going. And he needs to uh, uh, focus his attention over here. He, you are in his sights at all times. He is ever-present. He is very present. I love that word, very. If you're looking for words to underline and words to circle in the English Standard Version, it's verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Very is a word that gets rightfully so a bad rap in the English language. I was eighth grade. Miss Moore was my English teacher. I had a paper I had to do. It was on the book, The Outsiders. I remember this. I got it back, and I I said things like an eighth grader would say, this is a very good book with very cool things going on. I I don't know exactly what I said. But she handed it back to me, and every time I had very, she just marked through it, marked through it, marked through it, marked through it. Davis is a lazy word. You remember Dead Poet Society? Oh, Captain, my Captain Robin Williams is this English teacher, and he has this tirade against very. He, he says, he said, don't use very, it's a lazy word. Don't, don't say that you're very tired, you're exhausted. Don't say that you're very sad, but you're morose. And here we have in the English Standard Version, he, he's our very present help in trouble. Well, I'm here to tell you that's a good word here. I'm here to tell you that that very is a word that you need not cross off in your Bible. That, That in a world that is so often semi present, that you can be sort of present most of your life nowadays. You can be somewhere, but not truly be there. You know what that's like? 
Some of you are like, yes, like right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Very present. Uh, Recently, I was with one of my boys who was playing a baseball tournament in Atlanta, and we were in between games, and so I go to the concession stand. I've got to get a water, I've got to get a Gatorade, and I get into the line here, and I'm just standing there, minding my own business, and I hear right behind me, hey, what do you think you're doing? And I thought, Oh, no. You know, this, I have one goal in life as a father, husband, and a pastor, and that's not to go viral on a baseball field. You know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And I thought to myself, this is how it happens right here. You know, uh, this is what's wrong with you sports right here. Some of, some of you are going to be walking through your, your uh, Twitter feed and Instagram feed and Facebook, and there's just this brawl going on in Atlanta between these dads, and you're going to be f- scrolling through there and say, I think that's Pastor David right there. And, it, and I promise you, I was just in the line here. I wasn't doing anything. I was minding my So in that moment, I thought, what did I do here? Did I, did I cut in front of him? Did I bump him? I was wearing uh, the, the colors of our team here. Did something happen in the previous game? And so in that moment, what do you do? I'm trying to de-escalate the situation. I'm trying to do uh, the, the, the opposite of my Rocky Four Sylvester Stallone impersonation in that moment. So I'm kind of backing away from him. And then immediately I said something to the effect of, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean anything. And he immediately said, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to them, and he pointed to his earpiece. (laughs) And so he he was very present with someone on the other end of that line, and he certainly was upset with them, but he was behind me but not present in that line. And you know what that's like. I mean, you know what it is to have all your family gathered together. you got this lauded family meal, and you look around the table, and everybody, instead of talking to one another, has got their phone out right there. They're there, but they're not very present. Well, we know how this goes. We can be somewhere, but not truly there in spirit and mind. And in the midst of uncertainty, it's a good thing to know that God is never sort of present. That God is not there in body, but absent in mind and spirit. That God is ever present, always with you. So in the midst of uncertainty, God is with me. But secondly, this morning, in the midst of my uncertainty, God is still in control. This is the temptation for us to think that our uncertainty means that no one anywhere is certain about anything. But again, look with me the repetition of what this psalm teaches us. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. Verse 7, the God of Jacob is our, do you see it there? Our fortress. Verse 11, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, if we go back for 2,000 years of words that the church has used to describe what's being described here in Psalm 46, this is God's omnipotence. It's all-powerful. He's sovereignly in control. Now, does this mean that everything is just smooth riding? Well, of course not. Look at this passage. Verse 1 tells us that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Well, the, the psalmist needs help. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Well, what do you have to fear? Notice what he says. The earth gives way. The mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. The waters roar and foam. So, so there's something to be fearful of as the psalmist writes, guess what? I will not fear. 
Many of you are, before we had all of these Marvel movies that sort of dominated the course of entertainment, you, you had about 20 years ago this theme of movies that were all, all these apocalyptic, worst-case scenario uh, movies. You, you, you had things like The Day After Tomorrow, uh, you had the, the movie Deep Impact with Morgan Freeman. And so it seems like every year there was another movie where you'd have this CGI special effects where you, you have these huge skyscrapers that are being toppled by the ocean. And you would go through all of these big cities and you would see worst case scenario of what's going to happen. And here the psalmist, without CGI special effects, is he is depicting a day of a worst case scenario. The very castles of our earth are being swallowed into the sea. Everything is shaky here. Everything is to to bring about an emotion of, of fear. But the psalmist says, I will not fear. Because while there is chaos that is reigning on earth, heaven is anxiety-free. It reminds me of the quote of Corey ten Boom. Many of you maybe have heard this. Nothing happens on earth that causes panic in heaven. That, that might be a word to remember. That nothing happens on earth that causes panic in heaven. The habitation of God is secure. The contrast is between the stormy waters and the river that flows from the very habitation of God. We have the earthly habitation. We have Jerusalem that is probably being referenced here, but you have more than Jerusalem. You have heaven itself that is secure. So the psalmist is using this language to to give us an assurance that God, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of the uncertainty of this doomsday type of imagery that he gives, is this we can be certain of. God is still in control. God is still sovereign and he is still on his throne. And he goes even further in verse 8 and verse 9 to describe this. He brings desolations on the earth. He makes war cease. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. It's a timely word. War would have been something that the Israelites would have known well. There were incursions and invasions that they lived with. every decade, every day in many ways. It was a part of that ancient Near Eastern world. It seems as if the psalmist is channeling some of the the words and the allusions of Isaiah himself. In Isaiah, in the early chapters, he talks about the Assyrian Empire that is threatening Israel and ultimately threatening Jerusalem. And and the the words of Isaiah and the words of the psalm is, is that God is with you. Take courage. He is the one who will bring it into all evil, to all war. It's good to know that where we're going in heaven as followers of Jesus is not a place of endless evil. Think of all the worst case things that have happened in your life or could happen in your life. Isn't it good to know that when we are in heaven, that you will never again have to think, what, what if? What if that happened? And what the psalmist is saying here is even on earth, if, if your what if happens, if your what if actually happens, Psalm 46 is saying God is with you and God is still sovereignly in control. 
Verse 9, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. And this is not presenting a God who brings all the, the warring parties together and tries to find this peaceful negotiation. No, this is God in his sovereign strength ceasing the war, bringing an end to it. He is conquering all evil here. It reminds me of Paul in Philippians chapter 3 where he talks about, or Philippians chapter 2, where he talks about every knee bowing and every tongue confessing at the name of Jesus here. And every tongue and every name, guess what? That means everybody. So there is no one that has ever lived that will not stand before a holy God and answer the question, have I trusted in your son? Every person, no matter, no matter their title here on earth, will give an answer to God. No matter if they're a totalitarian dictator, whether the president of the United States, president of a company, no matter their titles that are behind their name, every woman, every man will bow before him. And the question is, are we bowing before him in submission to him, trusting his son? Or will we bow before him unwillingly, but as he is the sovereign ruler of all? That is a question that we do not answer in heaven. It is a question that we answer here on earth. And it makes all the difference for our eternity to come. And the answer, the question to answer is, how have you answered that question? Has there been a time in your life where you've submitted to him as the Lord of your life? Has there been a time in your life where you've trusted his son for the forgiveness of your sins? This is an important question. And for every one of us who answer that question with yes, then we have the hope. God is with us. God is sovereignly in control. And so we have a response, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. He's in control of the wars and desolations, the mountains that are being toppled into the sea. He is with us. He's in control. So there's nothing outside of his sovereign rule. So in light of this, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Now, oftentimes we take this passage in isolation. We, we take it out of the passage and the context around it, and we make it sort of an invitation. And the invitation is, you remember going back to those English classes, probably 10th grade, 11th grade, your English teacher handed out Henry David Thoreau's Walden and, and, and Thoreau, he, he leaves and he goes into the woods and the opening line, went to the woods to live deliberately. And we look at Psalm 46.10 and we think that it's an invitation to meditation and to silence and to solitude. And all of those things are important. And all of those things are good guides to listen to God and to talk to God, no doubt. But actually what this passage is saying here is, trust me. I've got this. I'm with you. And I am sovereignly in control. So no matter your uncertainty, you can be certain of this, that I've got you. So to be still and know that I'm a God is to acknowledge that he is with you. Acknowledge that he is sovereignly in control. To know this, to believe this, to hang on to this. I was reading this last week in Christianity Today. The largest Ukrainian population in the United States is in New York City. Approximately 150,000 Ukrainians 
living in New York City and there's a vibrant Christian community of Ukrainian believers. And Christianity Today, in this last article, it had a journalist that was embedded in one of the worship services. And it was just verbatim in the midst of so many of these men and women that are worshiping, that have family members and friends that are in the midst of, of, of unbelievable uncertainty. Family and friends that are wondering, do we flee? Do we stay? And some of them are making, uh, they're, they're making generational altering decisions that quickly. And it's uncertainty that, that many of us cannot even grasp that we're living in the midst of times where people are facing these kinds of things. It's, it seems historical. Something you read about a hundred years ago. And it's present tense. And so in this Ukrainian worship service, the pastor says, our minds fail to understand how is this possible in this day and age that God allowed this to happen and we do not know why. But this we know, God is sovereign and he is still on his throne. For those of us that have ears to hear, do you hear what this pastor is saying? In the midst of our uncertainty, God is with us. The worship leader, as John so wonderfully does, as he leads us in worship, we will bridge from one song to the next song. And oftentimes, his words connect us to the truth. They remind us of why we're singing and it invites us to to, to sing these wonderful truths in this worship leader in between songs says, our hope is in the Lord, the one who holds all things together, no matter how things fall apart. This we know Jesus is with us. He is the one we know who will help us. If you have ears to hear, do you hear what he is saying in the midst of our uncertainty? God is still in control. Very few of us, if any of us in this room, will begin to face the type of uncertainty that some of their friends and family members are facing. And even they are facing there in New York. But uncertainty you will face. We all get a heaping in the buffet line of life of uncertainty. We all do. We won't choose it. It's a part of the menu of life. And so how will you face the uncertainty that is before you? I mean, how, how do you trust someone? You know how you trust people? Those, those few people that you hold dearest to, those few people that you, you, you almost could say, I, I know that they're with How do you do that? Well, you do that by, by talking to them regularly. You, you do that by listening to them carefully. And with God, we trust him by listening to his word. We trust him by obeying his word. We trust him by saying, your word defines our circumstances more than our circumstances define what's going on. So we listen to his word, but we also talk to him regularly. We do that in prayer. It's an invitation each and every day that we have to turn to him and, and to thank him for his protection and his promise. To thank him that no matter the storms of life and the circumstances of life and the question marks of life, he is always with us and he is sovereignly in control. 
Over 20 years ago, I was a student pastor while I was in my undergrad, and I was going to scout a site for a mission project in the Charlotte area. So I was flying back. It was probably the second or third time that I had flown in my life, and I was still very uncertain that that plane could get me home safely. I just proposed to Danielle, and there was a good bit of anxiety when I was flying, and we flew around. The pilot comes on the intercom and says, stormy weather, we're going to fly around it, but mission fail. We, we didn't get around that storm. It felt like we flew right in the middle of that storm. And so thankfully I was on the plane and my anxiety of holding, gripping the seat could keep us up. And my prayers, you know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but you get my point. I was so anxiety filled on that flight and, and, and I didn't enjoy it at all. We landed and the whole time that we were bobbing and weaving at 30,000 feet, I looked to my right and the guy sitting next to me is snoozing. He is sound asleep. We're going up and down. The turbulence is just, is just for me, it was, it was very anxiety-packed, uh, and he's just asleep. And so when we land, he kind of abruptly wakes up, and I look to him, and I just say, so kind of aspirationally, I want to be you. And how, how, do, how can I be you? And then he, how can you sleep through this? And he said two things. I still remember. One was he said, I, I, hey, I fly all the time. Every week I'm in the air. This is nothing. That didn't really help me because I wasn't going to be flying a whole lot. <laughs> Secondly, he said something that was very curious and very interesting. He said, you know, this flight's interesting because I grew up with the pilot. And I know him. And I've thought about that often. You're going to go through life. And there are going to be some smooth flights sometimes. And I promise you, you will encounter turbulence. But the good thing to know is, and the good thing to be reminded of is, you know the pilot. And he has promised you, in the midst of any and every circumstance of uncertainty, that he is always with you. And he is always in control. Amen? Let us pray.